Show. Welcome in. Welcome back to another episode of the Format Podcast. Got a pretty good show for you here today. It's midweek, and you know what that means. That means I got my guy, Ryan Lankford, the official Format Podcast college football analyst, joining me to talk all things college football, mainly this past weekend and the weekend to come. So uh, stick around for that one. But before we do that and you're here on YouTube, you already know what time it is. If you haven't already, please go ahead, click that subscribe, that like, and that notification bell so you can be made aware whenever new content drops on the channel. If you want the audio-only version of the podcast, open up your audio podcast platform, hit the search bar, type in the format podcast. We should come right up. Please, if you're enjoying the content, give us that five-star review, leave us a like, and go ahead, leave us that comment. All that stuff helps us rise in the algorithm, helps us find more sports fans, helps more sports fans find us. Now let's get right to it. Me and Ryan Lankford, college football. Let's go. Here we are with my main man, Ryan Lankford. And uh, of course, he's going to come talk to us about college football as he is the Format Podcast, official college football analyst, former Fighting Illini, former Indianapolis Colt, former Ottawa Red Black, former Winnipeg Blue Bomber, and former Saskatchewan Rough Rider. Ryan, what's going on, my brother? Man, doing, doing, living life, living life. How are you? Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. I'm doing all right and uh, excited to get to this college football talk with you as always, man. Always. All right, let's get to it. So, um, you know, it seems like every week we do this, but of course we got to start with the biggest story of this college football season, and that's the Colorado Buffaloes. Now, <laughs> this one here, I tell you what, um, and we're gonna we're gonna kind of get into the weeds a little bit on this and and what's happening and why, but. Man, so Colorado last week played on Friday night, which, you know, mm-hmm. Friday night's traditionally reserved, and you know this much better than I do, as, as high school football night. But, mm-hmm. you know, we get some of the games in college on uh, Friday nights now, and uh, Dion and his Buffaloes took on Stanford uh, this past weekend. And uh, I think it started like – it had like a 10 o'clock kickoff on the East Coast. So, you know, a lot of people on the East Coast only saw like the first half of this game. And – you know, it was one of those on the schedule I had circled that's pretty much a, a guaranteed, well, not guaranteed, but, you know, a fully expected win for Colorado, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. on their way to getting to that six wins and hopefully getting a bowl berth this year. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, so you watch the first half, Colorado's up 29 and nothing. And you're thinking, all right, I, I think it's safe to go to bed now and you're right. wake up in the morning and a an absolutely historic meltdown slash choke job whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. um, from the buffaloes i mean uh game ends up going into double overtime and stanford wins this thing 46 to 43 stanford is not a very good football team this year and you wonder how did this happen so i'm going to ask you ryan how did this happen yeah i there's no real answer to it right um it is uh just a big letdown in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people drop the ball, literally. Coaches yeah. drop the ball, offenses drop the ball, you know, and they just to allow someone to kind of sneak back up on you like that is mm-hmm. you never you never like seeing that. When you put the game away, you got to keep them away, um, run the ball, get them, wear them down, and, and have your defense hold up and 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 finish finish the job. So you got to wonder, like what. What was uh, Colorado's coaching staff thinking as they're watching, you know, uh, we like to call it Big Mo, uh, momentum really mm-hmm. go in that second half on on the on the side of the Cardinals and just take that game over? Because you're wondering at what point do the adjustments take place? At what point 
uh, does Stanford do something here to kind of stop the tide? And mm-hmm. I know you'll love um, Alec uh, Ayomenor, uh, the star receiver for the Cardinals, set a school record with 294 receiving yards on 13 catches, Which including the, the one super highlight where he pretty much mossed Travis Hunter and, yeah. uh, you know, took it literally off of his back to score the touchdown. So first, what did you think of uh, Alec Ayomenor's uh, play that night? Obviously, I mm-hmm. thought it was incredible, but from a wide receiver's perspective. And second, what do you think, at what point does the coaching staff say, hey, we got to do something here. We got to change something up. Yeah, well, number one, I think he had an incredible game. That's the game you you dream about doing. That's the game that every receiver knows they're capable of having. But that game never, ever, ever happens. You know, you never get that point, you know, to really come through and, and really make plays. Um, and once you're hot, it's it's a great feeling when you know that your coach and your quarterback sees that you're hot and they're going to keep trying to get you the ball and keep, keep drawing up the play. So that that was a um, a cool thing to see. Um, and I guess from Colorado's standpoint, it's just an unfortunate situation to kind of give up a lead like that, um, especially when you already know that the naysayers and the doubters are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, good teams – I should say the great teams don't allow those type of things to happen. Um, but hopefully, um, you know, the coaching staff is able to, to rebound. The players are able to rebound. Um, and this can be a great learning lesson uh, for them because it's, it, you know, football is is a, is a, is a tough game. Um, and you got to be on your P's and Q's at all times. If there's time on the clock, there's still plenty of time to win the game. So um, we saw that firsthand. So I'm watching this thing and uh... – I'm no great X's and O's guys, but I'm seeing <laughs> I'm seeing Stanford running this deep post over and over and over. Same mm-hmm. play. And I'm like, mm-hmm. um, at what point if if I'm Colorado, am I doing something different uh defensively? Like what uh, it's it's almost like they were trying to throw all out zero blitzes or something. Yeah. Yeah. So much help over the top. And Travis Hunter just coming back off a major injury. He couldn't be in his top shape. Yeah, he's your Mm -hmm. number one cover corner guy, but he couldn't be in top shape. And he's getting burned on this play over and over. Where's the safety help over the top? What is going on? From your perspective as a wide receiver, Ryan, what did you see there? They they weren't making their adjustments. Um, Now, again, I I can't take away from the receiver's play because he's balling. I mean, he's catching the ball off people's back. He's going up making plays. Um, he's doing what he needs to do. And he's got an old line of blocking. He's got, you know, a running back that's going through the right read, checking and blocking and doing things too. So it is a, it is a group effort. But um, Colorado really took their foot off the gas. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, you know, it starts with the coaches, but ultimately the players got to make plays. And someone on that defense has had to have better football IQ and say, hey, man, listen, we don't, we can't give up the big play. We cannot give up the big play, even if we got to let them chunk it, chunk it, chunk it, chunk it all the way down the field so we get tight in the red zone. We can't give up the big play, and that's what was hurting them. Let me ask you this, and this is going to sound bad, but is there ever a time in a situation like that where one of the defenders says, man, listen, I'm going to take one for the team and rock this guy, you know, <laughs> as he's as he's coming through that part of the field and make him know, like, it's not going to be yeah. that sweet every time? I mean, yeah. obviously – you want to keep it within the bounds of, of play, but mm-hmm. you know, football is a physical game uh, to mm-hmm. that point. And it, you know, do, do you think that there's uh 
there there's sometimes where some situations where somebody defensively has got to say, look, man, we, just, yeah. you know. Yeah. I, I think, I think you got to kind of have that moment. However, that moment has really phased out of football. I would say just in the last years with just, you know, when targeting has became more of a rule where actually kids are getting thrown out for, for, for games now for, for tackling. Mm-hmm. Um, that was usually just the rare situation that the play was just, absurd and he has to be thrown out but now you're seeing guys getting thrown out for fundamental stuff just because it's a bang bang play or a receiver shorter than the db so there's a lot of different things that come Mm -hmm. in um and as much as you want to be that guy to say hey let's let's set the record straight i'm not gonna play the ball i'm gonna play the player on this next Mm -hmm. play to kind of set the tone right we're phasing out of that football i think we're a lot more focused on player safety and, and player hopefully future development um so those kind of uh, I would say emotionally charged plays, you know, we, we don't see as much. Right. So let me, um let me digress for a quick moment. Again, you as a mm-hmm. wide receiver and you, you actually mentioned this, this is something I lament in the, in the way modern game of football is officiated. Um, So your wide receiver, what are you about six feet? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's just say um you get a big safety and you're coming across the middle and you catch it, the safety now or the linebacker, has you lined up, sized up perfectly, right? Perfect tackling mm-hmm. form. Got your strike mm-hmm. zone right, right between, you know, between your neck and your waist. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And you see him coming across. So, of course, you shrink up to to absorb the hit, right? Mm-hmm. So now mm-hmm. he's already on his trajectory to hit you where he's supposed to mm-hmm. as the defender. But what? Physics now, he can't change his target point, right? Mm-hmm. He, he mm-hmm. can't change that when you shrink up. And he ends up hitting you a little high and gets called mm-hmm. for you know the targeting. How do you feel about that? Because as a fan, it drives me absolutely crazy. Like, I get it. It's bang, bang plays. And I get it. We're calling calling things or officiating on the side of safety. But at the same time, you, you can't totally handcuff the defender like that, can you? Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. physics just dictate that at a certain point, he can't change where he's going to hit you. Yeah. And I, and I think... And I'm with you with that because I am pro receiver, pro offense. I'm also pro player safety at the same time, Um, but I'm also pro competitor, right? And this game is about that. And I think I I wish there was more kind of referee judgment on the spot, kind of play-by-play situation, like, okay, like, he did kind of duck down because the ball was low, mm-hmm. like, you know, kind of play a little bit like that right. and right. not be so quick to throw guys out. And I think ultimately that's what it comes down to. Don't be so quick to say targeting. He's got to go, you know, right. that in my mind used to be targeting used to be more of a intention mm-hmm. behind it. Yeah. Um, now, a lot of times it's turning into, well, the helmet actually did kind of touch his helmet, so that's targeting, but you can see in his intention, he wasn't trying to hit him with the crown of the helmet. It just right. happened because of that bang-bang situation. Guy turns mm-hmm. down, guy does whatever. So um, I don't know if there's an exact way to correct it, but it yeah. is definitely a different uh, game now that yeah. players are getting thrown out a lot more fluidly than in the past, I would say. Right. Okay, so let's get back to Colorado. Uh So do you think some of this, um, some of their recent uh, difficulty in some of these games, 
Do you think that the players maybe have read too much of their own press clippings or maybe buying into the hype a little too much? Because a guy like Dion, one thing about him, he was all about the hype, but he knew how to mm-hmm. back it up. And mm-hmm. him as a coach, obviously he can't he can't be out there with his players, <laughs> you know, proving this. But And I'm sure he's talked to him about it, but there's still a bunch of young men still learning. Do you think that uh, that's part of some of the difficulties that they're having is buying into the hype and reading the press clippings? Yes and no, because um, again, remember he's he's coming in from this is this is prime time. Who you said like again? He's he's been this guy from draft day, mm-hmm. everything. He even and even at Florida State, he's he's been this guy, and now you're coming to a program where uh, historically mm-hmm. they've not been that guy. They've not been this larger than life character. Um, so even though that your coach is that, is going to bring on a lot of extra pressure to you as a player. Um, so I think naturally the locker room and the players are going to have to adjust to that. And they will when they get used to now we're, we're going to be big time football. We got Dion and bringing recruits in. we're making plays. Um, we're going to be um, a team that can hopefully stand for a while. Now, I don't think that they have done enough to, how, how could I say this? Like this, I, I don't, think this game is something to be like, uh oh, be so super duper worried about, right? Every coach, every player, everyone has that one loop game that at the end of their career, nobody remembers. But in the moment you remember, right? Right. Um, and let's also not forget that Colorado's done more than enough than what they were supposed to be doing mm-hmm. compared to last year. Um, so you know, everything at this point is more buying into the hype of Dion and expectations and just icing on top of the cake that they've already built <laughs> pretty well for the first year out, you know? Um, do you think that this is an indictment of Dion in any way? We know that this is a guy who's had success in every everything he's endeavored to do in his life, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of people who want to see him fail at this particular thing. Do you think this is an indictment? I don't, but, you know, I'm sure some yeah. people will look for a reason to say that it is. I don't I don't think so. I mean, I think people are always going to try to find something to say about you. Um, and again, Dion hasn't coached 10 games at Colorado yet. You know, like he just he, you can count on one hand how many could two hands right. maximum how many games mm-hmm. he's played. So um, there's there's so much time for him to turn this around mm-hmm. and you need these type of moments to use this as a lesson to use this as a coaching point. Um, so it's almost better that something like this happens early, you know, rather than later. Fair enough. Okay. Well, let's move on from the Buffaloes and let's get to mm-hmm. what I think most people would agree was the game of the weekend and maybe one of the best games so far this season. And if not the best game, and that's uh, Washington versus Oregon. Boy, right. I-, I tell you what, um, there was times watching this thing that I thought that uh, Washington was getting ready to run away with it, but it's testament to the program that Dan Lanning's built there in Oregon and and the mm-hmm. way that they play football, that it never actually uh, got away from uh, uh, the Huskies. And they actually had to, you know, Michael Penix Jr. had to have a game-winning drive at the end to win the thing. And um, mm-hmm. so the Huskies come out on top, 36-33. I guess kind of where I want to go with this, uh, they looked super evenly matched out there. Um, yeah. Did you see any large difference between these two teams? And if so, what was it? Um, I really didn't. Um, uh, I do think that I undervalued Penix. Um, I definitely thought that his accuracy wasn't as 
great as it could have been. I think his receivers were bailing him out on a lot of stuff um, earlier in the season. Okay. After this game and after watching some of his games as of late, they're really playing really good football. Um, he is a talented player. He has the ability to read the field, you know, make good throws, make touch on throws, which is important, right? It's much more than just being able to put the ball in the right place. If you can put the ball in the right place with the right pace, that's yeah. where the game breaker happens, right? And I mm-hmm. think that he's really doing a great job. Um, and that was cool for me to see, you know, for me to to, to kind of look back and go, okay, yeah, he 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 has stepped up. They're getting better, and they're only and they're going to continue to get better, which is exciting to see. So, um, he, he's a good player. I think he's an outstanding player, and uh, I'm not into the gambling thing, but most of the odds makers have him in the uh, in the lead with the highest odds to win the Heisman this mm-hmm. year, and I definitely think he's in the lead now. Now, don't get me wrong, he's still got some tough games remaining. He's got Wazoo. He's got uh, Oregon State. I think they also have mm-hmm. Utah. Man, that Pac-12 is really going to cannibalize itself. This is going to be really mm-hmm. interesting down the stretch. But um, Michael Penix Jr., I think he's just amazing. And did, did, what were your thoughts on that final drive and how easy he made it look, um, just going right down the field yeah. like a knife through a hot yeah. Professional. Um, and we, and you, I said we, cause you know, but cause I've been there, but you yeah. practice that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so either it's, it's towards the end of practice or it's at the, you know, midday before the break, but you practice two minutes, you practice final drive, you know, you, where you come out there, it's all right. We got the ones on ones. We're going to go ones on twos. All right. You got to go 80 yards and kick a field goal. You know, okay. we got 36 seconds left. You got to go mm. here and, and get a touchdown. So now you're thinking like, okay, like, okay, this is where we're at. What do we do? How many timeouts do we have left? Mm. Ball's here, you know, da, 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 da. So you practice those things so that when the game happens, you're like, oh, we, we got a minute. Oh, that's nothing. We we did. We did 25 saves on Thursday before we broke camp. Like, so um, those practices and when you're able to kind of pull it all together when you get into the game like that is 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 why it's so special so michael panks jr we're still talking about michael panks jr just because he's that good but he's been with kaylin DeBoer since he was at indiana before transferring to washington let me ask you this how much does it Uh mean to have that level of comfort in his system and to be uh that familiar and that connected with a play caller and and, mm-hmm. and a coach, whether you're mm-hmm. on the offensive or defensive side of the field for so mm-hmm. many years, what does that mm-hmm. mean? And and how much does that really help you? Because we always hear about, you know, guys, you know, first, second, third year in the system. Tell mm-hmm. me a little bit about that and what it means. It's game changer. You know, that first year is a lot harder than that second year and that third year and that fourth year because um, you build that camaraderie, you build the understanding of how to play book works, how they call it, why we run plays, how we run them and things like that. So the longer that you're with somebody, you you establish that trust and you learn the system where you're not playing or you're not thinking, you're just playing, right? Okay. Um, you, when, you, when you're out there thinking, you're not playing as fast as if you're just reacting. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're in a situation where you know playbook and you know what to call, you know your read, you know all your stuff, you're, you're, just, you're just playing the game. Um, and I think that's what's 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 coming through for them now. And, and it's and it's always a great situation when you're able to know something that you've had before and, and just keep building on it. OK, Um. yeah. So, I mean, just I, I'll tell you again, I, I I was so impressed with that game. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this, Um. kind of flipping to the Oregon side here. 
Mm-hmm. Bo Nix. What do you think of Bo Nix? Because I've never been particularly impressed with him, but mm-hmm. he seems to be one of the guys that is thought very highly of in terms of this mm-hmm. year being an elite quarterback class, et cetera. Um, he acquitted himself very well in this game, didn't turn the football over, mm-hmm. uh, threw 33 for 44 for 337 and two touchdowns, uh, played well. Uh, what are your thoughts on Bo Nix? Where are you on him? especially mm-hmm. in terms of what you think he'll be able to do at the next level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't very high on him. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I'm a little higher than I was. I'm not completely sold and say that he's, you know, the, the, the Messiah or the one, the one and only the greatest of all time. Yeah. Um, but he's a great player. Uh, I think age comes into a factor. Um, he is a, considered a veteran, if you will, in, in the college level. Um, so I am interested to see what that transition will look like from the from the um, uh, college football to the NFL mm-hmm. and how he can make the transition of learning a new system in a new game and just trying to develop the new version of him in the NFL. Um, right. But personally, I think he's a good player. I think he I think he leads the offense well. Um, but I I think his age definitely is definitely helping him and giving him the extra maturity that's you know allowing him to make plays. Yeah, I can see that. Um, and uh, we'll get to another guy. I think he's tied with Sam Hartman at Notre Dame for uh, most yeah. uh, career starts currently. I think I think they're both at like 53 or 54 career starts. So crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So before we move on from this one, which was, again, a great Pac-12 showdown, do you see any chance now that you've seen these guys a little more and you've seen them both against, you know, high level competition, what would you say their chances are if they get into the uh, college football playoff of winning a championship? Um, I don't, at the I end of the day, that's what it's all it, about, right? Right, and it and it depends who <laughs> they're gonna go against, right? right and then it right. and then it comes up to okay, well, you know, they go against Georgia, would they be able to be able to win physically? Would they be able to go against any of these teams that are in the SEC, or would they be able to? You know, whoever, if Ohio State makes it or Michigan or somebody else makes it, would they be able to transition um, into that? Now, I don't know if they can win. I definitely Mm -hmm. know that both teams are competing for a chance in the dance. You know what I mean? I think that they both have the caliber to um, compete. Now it's just who is that team they're going to compete against? Who is that offense? Who is that quarterback? Who is that run game that they're going against? You know, who – um, who will it be? But they they both have what it takes to make it to the to the playoffs. Well, here's something to think about. As you mentioned, Georgia. Um, so last year, uh, Ohio State gets beat by Michigan in the final game of the season. Michigan right. physically manhandles them, but Ohio State, by virtue of the rest of the season they had, they kind of backed their way into the playoff. They had Georgia in the semifinal, and realistically, they should have won that game. Right? They were mm-hmm. right there with Georgia. They could have beaten them. Mm-hmm. So. I kind of liken this Washington team to last year's Ohio State's team. So mm-hmm. if they did line up against a Michigan, who knows? Maybe they could go blow for blow with them, right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't beat a Georgia trying to go strength on strength, right? Which is obviously uh, trying to run the football against them and try to attack mm-hmm. them in the trenches. There's very mm-hmm. few teams I think that are capable and equipped to do that. Now mm-hmm. you've got a team that can go bombs away over the top. Right. All mm-hmm. you have to do is protect that quarterback. And mm-hmm. he has to show maybe a little bit of mobility like CJ Stroud did in the semifinal mm-hmm. last year. But 
you know, just looking at it that way, it could be possible that Washington, if be. they did line up against Georgia, might have a, a fair opportunity to beat them. Yeah. No, that's a great that's a great point when you when you put it like that. Play to your strength, essentially, you know. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, I didn't think about it that way. That's yeah. that's that's very true. Then you look at Oregon and we talked about ad nauseum how Dan Lanning has built them, even though they're on the West Coast, but he's built them in the image of an SEC program in terms of that's the right. you know, the physicality on both lines of scrimmage and running the football. Although mm-hmm. I think Bucky Irvin, he He's a nice little scat back. He might get broken in <laughs> half against Georgia, though. I, I don't. Uh, I, I, I'm not right, so right. Five that one, but um. Either way, I think they would be uh, great matchups, and both of those guys. But you know, again, they've still got a long way to go in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. clearly the best conference in college football this year. It's gonna be. It's gonna be cool. Now, okay, okay. You know where we're going next, don't you, Ryan? You know where, where we're going. Where, where are we going? <laughs> we are going to the capital of college football. We're going to South Bend, Indiana, under the Golden Dome. Yep. Another yep. night game, four straight, four straight against a ranked opponent. And this was a uh, a matchup against a top ten program, Notre Dame versus their main rival, the USC Trojans. And obviously, uh, Caleb Williams. Or you know, he was a uh, he was playing phenomenal this year and chasing mm-hmm. a second straight Heisman. Only Archie Griffin from Ohio State has ever done that. It looks mm-hmm. highly unlikely now. So this is the crazy part, right? Let me put all fandom aside. Going into the game, I think Notre Dame was favored by about three and a half. And after seeing what I saw against Louisville, after seeing uh, Notre Dame scrape by against Duke, and then, of course, the heartbreaker against Ohio State in the three prior mm-hmm. weeks, I'm mm-hmm. wondering what are the odds makers seeing that have Notre Dame favored in this game, right? Turn on the game, sit down, I watch it, and I am watching Caleb Williams play his worst game as a collegiate quarterback. I believe mm-hmm. he was sacked six times, mm-hmm. uh, threw three interceptions. He's never thrown three interceptions in a game in college before. And I think you have to go back to like his junior year of high school to find a worse game by Caleb Williams. So I'm mm-hmm. watching this thing, and Notre Dame. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. Their offense was not fantastic. But again, they Mm -hmm. played on a lot of short fields because they forced turnovers. And they come up with a four-touchdown win, 48-28, to throttle Mm -hmm. the Trojans and, you know, knock them from the ranks of the unbeaten and probably ruin Caleb Williams' Heisman chase, which I really Mm -hmm. loved because he won the Heisman on Notre Dame last year, if you remember, right? Running all around, making these dudes look silly. But um, in all seriousness, just – Watching this game, did you expect this game to play out the way it did? Because I was totally shocked by it. Yeah, I, I was shocked too. Um, I thought it was going to be more like the Oregon game, a little bit tighter. Okay. Um, I didn't think it was going to be a, well, is there any other games on TV right now? Type of flip around type right. of thing. Um, so I was definitely surprised by the outcome in that, in that regard. Mm-hmm. And so um, Notre Dame has had one of the, uh, better defenses in the country this year. Now, mm-hmm. and this is funny because most of the time when you think of the elite defenses, you think of having a game rushing pass, a game breaking pass rusher and mm-hmm. a really dominant defensive line. But Notre Dame doesn't really have that individual, you know, game wrecker on the end that can come off. But um, they are so sound in terms of the defensive secondary. This is one of the best secondaries Notre Dame has had in decades, literally when I right. say that. And so sure. this is a team that they're able to give their pass rushers a little extra time because they cover so well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
as a wide receiver, would you like to have to go up against Benjamin Morrison on that corner? Because that kid's tough. Yeah, I mean, if 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 I'm playing college and I, and he and I'm going against him, I, I'm looking forward to it, right? Because ultimately, um, if I'm trying to play at the next level, it's like, hey, I go out here and do what I got to do. Yeah, that that helps my draft stock, right? Yeah, and I absolutely. think that's how you gotta you gotta look at it that way. Um, but I think Notre Dame played defensively, played a really really strong game. Um, mm-hmm. I think they put pressure on the quarterback, which yeah. made it tough, which. Right increase the chances for, you know, tips and overthrows and interceptions to happen. Um, so it was good to see them get after, get after the quarterback that way. So, um, but they're, like you said, their, their defense is, is, is strong and their, and their secondary made plays. Cause it's a lot of times too, yeah. you'll see DBs having opportunities to get interceptions and they mm-hmm. don't, they drop it or they knock it down. Right. Um, that, so that's, that's a big time play when you can make an interception, make a turnover, um, get the momentum going in a big heated game like that. So it was awesome. Yeah, yeah definitely. I'm watching that and I'm just like, I mean, I, I was, like I said, I, I was shocked that, you know, I right. did not expect a 28 point uh, beat down. That was, um, right. and I think that also exposed a lot of things from USC. We know that it's not a great team defensively, but mm-hmm. to see now that um, they have issues on the offensive line as well, because mm-hmm. they allowed a team that, as I said, doesn't really have that elite uh, mm-hmm. game-wrecking pass rusher, that single guy, to get to your quarterback and sack him six times, especially mm-hmm. knowing the type of athleticism Caleb has, the type of mobility, his ability to throw on the run. And you and I talked about it last week in terms of even when he breaks contained, not allowing him to beat you in the scramble drill by being disciplined. I think Notre Dame mm-hmm. did an outstanding job of that. Mm-hmm. Um but let's flip it to the USC side. And this is something I wanted to uh, really talk to you about as a guy who's mm-hmm. been there, done that, and 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 knows it. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about Lincoln Riley as a coach and the culture of his teams. Now, a lot of times you see, and again, you're an offensive guy, when you have an elite offensive team in terms of uh, throwing the football and having that super, super quarterback play, for whatever reason, a lot of times those teams are kind of soft, right? They mm-hmm. Maybe it's because you're working so much on the passing game in practice that you're not focusing on the defense. You're not focusing on running the ball. And with that, come, mm-hmm. with those things come a, a requisite level of physicality. Is there any mm-hmm. truth to that? Do you think that this game speaks to this game and other games that um, – mm-hmm. uh, uh, I'm sorry, um, Lincoln Riley coach teams have lost – um, do you think that this speaks to the culture that he builds or doesn't build on his teams because they're so elite in the passing game? You could you could say yes and no. Um, I okay. think there it's a combination of 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 both. I think as a coach, you got to know your personnel and what you have and what you're working with. Mm. Um, so if you don't have a bruising running back and you've got great skill positions in the quarterback who can get the ball out through quick play and play action and misdirection. Well, then of course you're going to kind of run, run with that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think that those offenses are, you know, some f- finesse, there's some finesse to them. There's some technicality and having receivers that can run, run good routes and misdirection on, on, on concepts and different things like that. So, um, it's a combination of knowing how to use what you have and being good at what you know what to do. Um, and I think that he's good at at, at calling those type of plays and being a, a heavy offense 
um, to get guys open and, and do what it takes to to win games. Unfortunately, it didn't come out this way because um, I think Notre Dame did a good job of scripting them and and kind of getting ready. And it's going to be really interesting to see who USC, when they continue to play, how those next defenses start playing against them. Because now they've got on tape a green light of, oh, look, this team, like you said, that doesn't have a great defensive line, heated up that quarterback pretty well, and they ended up winning the game. So, Okay, so this is interesting, right? So obviously we know best quarterback in the country, USC, Caleb, got it. Mm-hmm. Although Michael Penix may have something to say about that, and yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, may, yeah. and may, maybe Drake May out in North Carolina has something to say about it too. Yeah. But regardless, yeah. um, here's the thing: so we know that they can throw the football. You know, Lincoln Riley's going to have weapons on the outside. He's going to have the quarterback play. But um, Austin Jones and Marshawn Lloyd, they're two running backs. Can't remember which one it is, but one of them is a top five guy in yards per carry nationally. So they can mm-hmm. run the football if they wanted to do it. And mm-hmm. this is odd because even though Lincoln Riley is a guy who was born of air raid principles, he's always had success running the football. And I'm curious to know why it is that he's kind of gotten away from that this year. Any mm-hmm. any ideas on why that is? No, no, no real ideas. Um, I think he's if I had to guess, he's letting his quarterback just kind of do his thing. Um, and the and and he's good at calling plays and 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 you know, getting the ball out of his hands. I don't really know exactly why. Um, and I think if I knew why, I should be coaching defense somewhere. <laughs> because right, then because right. then I would know, you know, kind of what to do against him. But yeah. um that's part of the art of football, if you will. Like, cause mm-hmm. you know, you would think that okay, he's you know, his tendencies shown this, and that could have been something that he looked at the on the offseason, right? So mm-hmm. once the offseason comes, you review your entire season, you got your play calls, good dripped out you see everything that you've done and then you game plan against yourself to see what your tendencies are and then you compare the two and he might have said oh you know what i might need to do more of this then instead Mm -hmm. of that so you know anything can change you just want to keep people on their heels and and be able to you know come out and win games absolutely um by the way it was uh marshawn lloyd uh junior running back he's averaging seven and a half yards per carry so they could they could run it if they right they They could could. run it if they wanted to yeah. You know, 565 rushing yards already on the season, but mm-hmm. so be it. Um, before we kind of get on from this one, Zachariah Branch, true freshman, wide receiver, kick returner. I, you know, I've been hearing uh so far this season people saying, Man, this guy Zachariah Branch is a freak. He's the closest thing the USC's had since Reggie Bush. He's mm-hmm. a guy that every time he touches the football, you hold your breath because you expect something to happen. I'm like, okay, it's a normal hyperbole. Watching this guy, he's a freak, man. And this yeah. guy, man, he can put his foot in the ground and turn. His acceleration is nuts. He looks like he's mm-hmm. got that different kind of speed, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of him? Obviously, did it kind of take you back being a speed guy yourself and being a, a <laughs> freshman receiver and all that? When you look at him, what are you seeing? What what does it make you think of? Well, it's it's exciting to see. I mean, you love seeing good football, and then you love seeing good football from young guys. And I think that's just something that just gets you fired up. Like, man, um, you almost look at them in a developmental kind of state. Like, hey, this is the beginning, Mm -hmm. right? This is the beginning of what he could be. Wait till he learns this offense. Wait till he gets used to the college game. Wait till he starts building his confidence after having the, the work that he's been doing this year. So, um, I think he's a good player. I'm excited to watch him. 
Right. Um, and again, you know, talking about USC and how Reggie Bush and, you know, being the electric years, like it's USC is always kind of, to me, known to have at least one or two guys that can, can really go and turn some heads. So it's cool right. to see. Right. And, you know, just so we know, obviously they just had, this is a crazy stretch for USC. So they just finished with number 21, Notre Dame. Well, number 21 at the time next mm-hmm. week or this week coming number 14, Utah. Then following that, they got Cal. Following that, number five, Washington. Following that, number nine, Oregon. Following that, finish out the season, number 25, UCLA. So USC is going into a nightmare stretch. Do you think they'll be able to survive that? I don't think so. That's tough. Last games are tough. Like you said, Washington, USC. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are both tough. Can't wait to see that one. Yeah, UCLA is going to be tough just on the Mm -hmm. strength of it's a rivalry game. Yeah, and their defense is crazy this year. Exactly. And that's going to be big for them. So this is not going to be a walk in the park. And then let's also not forget, USC is still ranked fairly high. Mm-hmm. So all these teams are going to be trying to, yeah, you know, put their mark, put their mm-hmm. stamp. Athletes are knowing like, hey, I'm trying to go to the league. Yeah. We're going against the number one team. People watching. Let me make sure I can make some plays. Mm-hmm. So it, it it's going to be tight for them. It's going to yeah. be tight for them. And I got to say, was that uh, November 14th matchup versus Washington? You're going to tell me that Caleb Williams versus Michael Penix Jr. is not must-see TV? That's going to be uh, uh, that's gonna be crazy. Incredible. Incredible. That's going to be crazy. Absolutely. All right. Um, Before we leave this, uh, this game, uh, let's flip back to the Irish side real quick. I wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. how good is Notre Dame? They're great. They're a real good team. Um. They created, they gave themselves opportunities to win. And when I say that, I mean, you know, the defense was able to create turnovers and then mm-hmm. they were able to get points after those turnovers, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that was great. That was great. I noticed that they were, you know, rushing Caleb and um, they were rushing and containing, which was nice. Mm-hmm. A lot of times yeah. people are rushing to make the sack. These guys are just rushing upfield to force him to step up in the pocket and they got somebody waiting right there for him. Mm -hmm. So now he's thinking, all right, well, I'm not going to rush in. I'm going to just try to make a move and throw a ball up interception. So they know exactly what they were doing and um, they, they, they game planned them well. They game planned them well. So here's my thing with Notre Dame. Um, It's, it's tough for me because you often don't know what Notre Dame team you're going to get. First few games of the season, those were the tune-up games. And then obviously the fourth game was the big Ohio State matchup. And you saw the offense kind of come back to earth against, you know, a very tough team. And of course, lose in heartbreaking fashion. Then they go against another top 10 defense in Duke. They win that one, you know, literally in the final minute. Then they go, uh, they get blown out by Pitts, not blown out, but beaten badly by Louisville, which is mm-hmm. another very good team. But oddly enough, they just got beat by unranked Pittsburgh. Um, so, and then of course you see Notre Dame really get up and put the beating on USC, their traditional rival. But as you know, very well, you can't count on getting five turnovers every week, right? You can play sound defense, good defense, but you, you can't count on getting five turnovers every week. And the the offense needs to continue to develop and, and continue to figure out a way to make plays with a, with a limited, uh, wide receiver room right now. Um, Audrey mm-hmm. Gastame is one of the best uh, running backs in the country. And um, of course they have uh, elite uh, left tackle play with Joe Alt, but you don't ever know what Notre Dame team you're going to get. And that's why it's mm-hmm. tough for me to say 
well, this team is that or this team is this. I, I really don't know how good Notre Dame can be week mm-hmm. to week. Yeah, and and I think I, uh, that's fair. That's that's fair how you mentioned that, and and even when you, the first part you said of you know you can't, you don't you don't know, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 that and and I feel that <laughs> yeah I feel that you yeah. don't know. I I think they have a chance to, um, kind of lock in on their greatness if that makes sense. You know, kind of believe. I hope this USC game gives them their yeah. confidence that they can kind of settle and buckle down a little mm-hmm. bit like hey like we're, we're good we're good let's 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 keep rolling so right um, yeah we 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 gonna see it's gonna be if they want a shot um i think they're gonna have to win out because i think last games yeah. they got is uh, pittsburgh Pitt, wake forest struggling yeah with clemson wake forest mm-hmm. don't really gotta worry about that and stanford mm-hmm. even though they win and just beat colorado right, but right those are games that they going to need to win. Yeah. Um, but just like talking about USC, those teams are going to be going against Notre Dame, know that they're going against Notre Dame, who's yeah. ranked. Yeah. They, they're going to be, they're going to have their their antennas up to try mm-hmm. to make a play as well. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, they got a chance to go, but they, they can't lose. I don't think they can lose. No, um, I don't think they're going to make the playoff, but now they're playing for a New Year's Six Bowl. And mm-hmm. I actually heard one projection saying in a New Year's Six Bowl game, uh, Notre Dame versus LSU. How crazy wow. would that be? Right. Wow. I guess we call yeah. that the Brian Kelly Bowl. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah, that that would be nuts. Um, but hey, we'll we'll see if and when we get there. Hey, um, time will tell. <laughs> yeah. So before I let you get out of here, let's talk a little bit about the upcoming weekend. Some big games. You've got Ohio State, Penn State, which is huge in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, that's you know all about that. Um, mm-hmm. Duke I like Penn Florida. State. I'll tell you Penn okay. State. I like now, to see Penn State win. That's interesting. Um, I think that's very possible just on the fact that Penn State seems to have built their team specifically to beat Ohio State. <laughs> uh, I think I think they're a worse matchup against Michigan, but I think specifically yeah. to beat Ohio State, Penn State has very good corners, very good linebackers. They're mm-hmm. they're good um, in the trenches. They haven't been able to run the ball as well as we've come to expect from Penn State. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because he's a freshman, but they seem to uh, have kind of uh, muzzled their quarterback a bit. He's throwing a lot of mm-hmm. short stuff. Now, maybe they're keeping a lot of stuff under the vest for Ohio State. We'll find out. Right. But these right. are two really good defenses and, and two really good football teams. But if I had to make a pick here, I would pick Ohio State because James Franklin simply is not a good big game coach, mm-hmm. at least not from what we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so now now we'll take it down south. Duke and Florida State. And Duke is far exceeding expectations this year. Obviously, everyone Thanks, knows Alan. Duke as Coach K and, and the Cameron Crazies as a basketball school. But this yeah. is a really good football team here playing outstanding top 10 defense this year. And mm-hmm. Florida State is another team that's kind of up and down to the level of their competition. But they have really good quarterback play and, and, and mm-hmm. uh, a very good pass rusher and an elite receiver. Where are you Where are you on this one, Duke and Florida State? I think Florida State's going to win. Um, I would love to see Duke win. And I think Duke actually can win. I think Duke has the ability to win. They're going to have to play a very 
lawless game though, right? They're gonna have to win the penalties, cannot turn the ball over, and they're gonna it's gonna take one or two explosive plays, a few third downs, mm -hmm. big special teams. Special teams is gonna is gonna win the game. Punt returns are gonna be huge. Um, just possession where they where they're where they're possessing the ball. Because if you can get a returner, if their punt returner can get at least a first down every return, right? That's kind of the goal. You want to get at least 10 yards because that's yeah. one less first down that the offense has to get moving forward. Um, that's so a great way to look at it. I, I keep forgetting. You know I'm, talk, I'm talking to an elite kick returner here. I, <laughs> I keep forgetting that part. That's right. Absolutely. As a returner. So yeah. absolute return. If you can just get at least 10, right, that's one less first down. And if you're averaging 10 yards of return, you you getting the first down every time you touch the ball. Like that's right. that's that's great, you know. Right. So uh if they're able to do that, that'd be awesome. But I think FSU probably will win, even though I'd love to see Duke. I'd love to see Duke pull it out. I like it a good story. All right. And um USC Utah. Now this is gonna be interesting. How does Caleb yeah. Williams bounce back from his worst college game ever? How does Lincoln Riley back. have this team ready to play? This is a Utah mm -hmm. team, remember that beat uh USC twice last year. And beat them handily um, mm -hmm. in the uh, in the Pac-12 champion. Was it the Pac-12 mm -hmm. championship game? Uh, it was either Pac-12 championship game or the game immediately preceding that. But right, they, yeah, the Pac-12 championship game because they they beat uh, USC twice last year, mm -hmm. and so you know you're wondering, um, is USC going to kind of come in there with that chip on their shoulder, ready to take revenge or or what? Or does Utah see something, you know, has USC been exposed now? What are your thoughts on this game? And keep in mind, Cam Rising, um, Utah's quarterback, is unlikely to play. He may, but it looks unlikely. Yeah. Well, both things are going to happen. Utah, our USC is going to go in there with a chip on their shoulder. They're embarrassed that – O-line's embarrassed that they gave up, what, three sacks or, or as many sacks as they gave mm -hmm. up. Caleb's embarrassed that he threw the ball, turned the ball over that much. So the offense is going to be trying to be – juiced up they're probably going to be trying to go no huddle and just really just come out different right mm -hmm. just have some type of juice or some type of flair utah like you said with the quarterback being down going to be tough to bounce back because usc is still usc no matter right. no matter how you slice it right they right. still got athletes and things like that so utah is going to have to be on their game mm -hmm. um again turnovers turnovers are big cannot turn the ball over um, got to sustain drives, can't just be having three and out and punts right. and kicking field goals and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So um, it's going to be tight. I think USC will win. But again, mm -hmm. I love a good story. It would be yeah. awesome to see Utah right. um, come back. And then we'll really be talking about, well, all right, what's going on in USC now. But um, I think they should be able to handle business. I think Utah has everything it needs to beat USC. They're physical. They can punch them in the mouth. But I got to say this as a Notre Dame fan, I got to root for USC to keep winning at this point because mm -hmm. that makes the Notre Dame win over them worth more. Mm -hmm. So you, you can't have USC right. just fall into the toilet at this fall point. Fall into the and it's like, oh, that was, that was no big deal. They, they lost to Utah. Next right, week yeah. Too. They, yeah. They sorry. They sorry. Oh, you beat up on a sorry team. Nah, don't need that. Don't need That's that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> All right, Ryan. Well, listen, man, thank you for joining us again this week. As always, uh, completely appreciate it, man. You, you always uh, giving us that that great um, college football talk, and I really appreciate it, man. Yes, sir. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Absolutely. And uh, for all of you listening and watching, if you haven't already, you're here on YouTube, please make sure you go ahead, click that subscribe, that like, and that notification bell. And if you want the audio-only version of the podcast, Look for the show, The Format Podcast, and your audio podcast platform. Leave us a comment. Leave us a like. Leave us a subscribe. We appreciate it. 
And I'll be back with you next episode. And I'm out. Peace.